I'm Roger. I'm Andrea, and this is Two Vets Upstate. Happy autumn, Upstate! The leaves are changing, the seasons are, are changing, but the one thing that stays the same is our love for you and this show every two weeks. Roger, I can't believe you wrote that copy. I'm here for it. <laughs> Go ahead right now and leave us a rating and review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting service. We really appreciate you. We're really excited about the reach this podcast has had already, and your rating and reviews helps us reach even more uh, people who are interested in Two Vets Upstate. So, Roger, what are you eating or drinking today? Uh, Well, I'm not sure if you can hear this or not, but... uh, That's that's the sound of uh, some off-the-cob sweet corn tortilla chips from uh, the Off the Cob Company in Ithaca, New York. Um, And I'm actually washing it down with some Saranac American Pale Ale. Actually, I'm not sure if that's pronounced American or American Pale Ale. How about you? So I would like you to know that at my housewarming party this weekend, we demolished four bottles of Brotherhood and Bully Hill Riesling and lots of nine pin. So I got a little bit of flack after our last episode for uh, the shade that I threw at the Finger Lakes, which was thrown with love. Rightfully Um, so, so should you get the shade, but continue. we, We did. We did. Yes. We did consume some Finger Lakes Riesling. I also have bowls and bowls of freshly picked apples from some mascot orchards uh, because several of us went and did pick your own this weekend. So uh, lots of local uh, vittles here, so to speak. So Roger, what's new with you? Well, I just came back from a trip to upstate New York this past weekend, uh, visiting family um, and also Sampling the cuisine, as you can tell, from bringing back some chips, some beer. We got some wine. We were at Kalaka Estates in Fairhaven, again, which is not too far from where I grew up. Uh, We're also looking for a house. Uh, We've been rotating through a bunch of the wards in Syracuse and lots of other uh, towns and villages in the surrounding area. Uh, We had a great time this weekend visiting Marcellus as well, home of the Mustangs. Uh, Beautiful community. Uh, I personally just can't wait to get back home. So we're hoping to wrap up that search here in the next couple of months and move uh, at the beginning of the year. How about you, Andrea? What's new? Oh man, where am I even? So I am in, I am in uh, Niverville, Kinderhook tonight. So I'm home right now. Um, I've been basically on the road. I've been basically on the road four days a week. So I was in Charleston. I was in uh, San Francisco. Now I'm back. I had my housewarming party, which was really great, really needed. Um, saw everybody up here kind of at a time that's been very challenging, and we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, but really, just it, I'm I'm so glad to live up here and be in a in a place that can be very tranquil and be close to family. And um, I appreciate people coming up to visit me lately. Um, yeah. So that's the thing. It's where am I even is really what's new with me. <laughs> oh, and oh, oh, oh no, this is really important. I want everyone to know that there's been a fly that's been bothering me all day. Good. And Good. I, Get it out. Talk yeah, about this. I killed that fucker right before we started recording and it is buzzing about me no more. So if you are a fly within 
swatting distance from me. I will get you. I will get you. That should come with a trigger warning beforehand for uh, people who have ever uh, had a dark uh, fly swatting experience. That's a fly swatter. (laughs) Only here on Two Vets Upstate. Uh, Well, let's talk about, Andrea, what's going on in New York. Uh, We've got some really great positive podcast-related news in central New York, where I just was. Uh, State Assembly person Pamela Hunter of New York's 128th Assembly District, uh, which is Syracuse and uh, some of surrounding Onondaga County. She was recently elected the chair of the Onondaga County Democratic Party. She was first elected to the Assembly back in 2015. Uh, She was a Syracuse Common Counselor before that. And of course, if you remember, I know we're on episode 11 right now, but she was our third guest on this podcast. So I think it's safe to say that we are pretty proud of that and especially of her and what she stands for. We wish her all the best in the new role. Great news. Step in the right direction for uh, Syracuse and for all of Onondaga County. I think Andrea must be off killing another fly. Oh, I forgot to take myself off mute. (laughs) (laughs) We're not editing that out. Okay. Along those lines, register to vote, everybody. Um, your app, this is the last week. Applications must be postmarked no later than October 12th and received by the Board of Elections no later than October 17th, October 17th in order to be eligible to vote in the general election in November. If you have not registered to vote yet, we give you permission. No, we're actually demanding you to pause this podcast right now and fill out the application online. It's pretty simple. If you have questions, contact our local board of elections. I have personally done this many times because I've voted absentee quite frequently. Better yet, you can even contact us and we will stop what we're doing to walk you through the steps to get access to the ballot that you have earned. And uh, we know that we have a lot of veterans relocating back to upstate New York after a very long time away. So here's a note from the State Board of Elections about registering to vote in person. So you may register at your local Board of Elections or any state agency participating in the National Voter Registration to be received no later than October 12, 2018. If honorably discharged from the U.S. military or you have become a naturalized U.S. citizen after October 13th, you may register in person at the Board of Elections up until October 27th. So for members of the military community and new Americans, the rules are slightly different. You have a little bit more time. But if you can, um, if, if you have not registered to vote yet, do it. You can look up your polling place. You can look up your registration status. Um, if you haven't voted in a while and you're registered, double check. Um, and also if you don't know where you're going to be on election day, apply for an absentee ballot. I receive an absentee ballot every year. Um, I won't go into the details about how they can make sure that you, whether or not you voted, but they can tell if you voted or not. So I still receive an absentee ballot if there's a just-in-case scenario, in which case I won't make it in person. Um, and they it's they won't double count. Well, only one of your ballots will count. So if you vote in person, they won't take your absentee ballot. But 
If you're not sure, apply for that absentee ballot, which must be requested by November 5th. Yes. Vote. We'll help you do it. We're not above that. Voting is important regardless of who you vote for. Um, And we want to see all veterans exercise the rights that they have not just earned, but uh, fought to protect. Speaking of fighting, uh, we should note that we are uh, recording this episode on Monday, October 8th. Uh, We'd like to shout out to all of the indigenous peoples, especially uh, Native American tribes in New York State, Uh, many of them all across the state. They are strong. They are part of what makes our country great. Uh, And as a reminder, they were here first. But also a lack of fight being exhibited currently by our own New York Yankees. Uh, They are in the playoffs. Four runs. The Sox got four runs since we've been recording this. Yeah, maybe we should just stop. Should we just call it here? It's 7-0 right now. The series is tied uh, 1-1. We were going to call with our uh, token New York resident uh, Red Sox fan, Ashley Nicholas, who, of course, is guest 001 on the podcast. But you know what? It's just too painful. It hurts too bad. So there's still a lot of baseball to be played, of course, but we are are rooting for the Yankees to be sure – uh, and hoping that they actually decide to show up to this game. So by the time you're listening yeah. to this, you'll know the results, I think. Yeah. I mean, the Bills are terrible. So I've always said the Yankees, like the Bills, I've just given up on. It's just like it's not even middle of October and I'm already over it. Um, yeah. I had tickets to this game and I sold them. And I'm really glad I didn't go. Ugh, my goodness. Plus, it would be loud trying to record at Yankee Stadium. So I'm glad you didn't yeah. go also. <laughs> Yeah. Um, spe- speaking of sports, uh, just to plug quickly, the it's hockey season. Also, I don't know if you knew this is like oh my god, hockey's the, the apex of sports. We got baseball, basketball, football, hockey. I don't know, curling, uh, cross country, running is in uh, is in uh, effect now. But uh, the Buffalo Sabers are offering free home game tickets to military members. Uh, team captain and Sabers defenseman Zach Bogosian. Uh, is providing a pair of his seats to a member of the military during every home game this season through an effort called Tickets for Troops. Also, and you can't really make this up, the company Original Pizza Logs is donating four 100-level tickets to a local member of the military at each Sabres game. Uh, The winning veterans will be recognized on ice, part of the national anthem, all active or veteran military personnel eligible to register, and I will put in where... You can apply for those uh, programs in the show notes. So thanks to the Buffalo Sabres for supporting the local veteran community. So I know this is not scripted, but it's really bothering me how much I think about. I was thinking, okay, so I was thinking about this today at my local American. I had my American Legion post meeting tonight, and I couldn't help but thinking we're talking about adopting um, adopting a unit and sending them care packages. And, and a lot of us know now at this point, frankly, that most of the bases people on are so built up that they don't need care packages <laughs> uh, because we have been at war for 17 years. And there's still a lot of people fighting in austere locations that we don't know about, particularly, I mean, it's been just over a year since we lost four Americans in Niger. That's right. Um, 
So, but in general, the kinds of places that we could find out about and send a care package. Um, I mean, this war, like this war basically can vote. It's 17. Uh, this war can, in, someone born before not after nine 11 can serve in the military. And this war just needs to end. And I, it, it's just shocking to me that we're still here. And I don't, I don't have answers. I just want this war. I, I just want that the, the war needs to end. And I wish we could devote as much energy as we have to thanking the troops. Because certainly as a mili- member of the military community, I appreciate acknowledging that people are still serving and that uh, to return to a society where most of society doesn't fight is very challenging. But I wish what went hand in hand with that is thinking about the fact that we're still sending people in the first place and that people are still coming home. People are still getting killed in these conflicts that have been raging on for an adult's worth of time. So I agree. It's time to end these wars. It's time to bring those troops home because I mean, let's face it, the, effort that we are putting forward into combating terrorism, I think at this point, it's probably safe to say, as it has been for quite some time now, that the preponderance of that effort has been exerted outside of Afghanistan and Iraq, where we continue to find ourselves after 17 years in Afghanistan and 15 years in Iraq. So at this point, the thing that's keeping us there is hubris, and that is not worth the lives of anyone from our state or from any of the other 49 states or territories in our country. So, uh, but let's talk about something uh, a little, a little more, uh, a little more upbeat uh, before we get into the meat of the episode. A couple of shout-outs. Uh, Beverly Sales uh, wrote an excellent history of the American Legion last week for the uh, Auburn Citizen. Uh, specifically one that uh, touches on the history of the Legion as it applies to Victory, New York, which is, again, biased, but a stone's throw from where I grew up. Uh, We'll post to that in the show notes, but uh, Ms. Sales, uh, we really enjoyed that piece. And then also, we want to give a shout-out to the 1460 Legion riders from Machias, who stopped by the PTSD clinic at the VA hospital in Batavia with a $2,600 check for the clinic. Um, they raised the money over the course of the past year with a dice run and a 9-11 memorial service. And uh, this money is going to be used for recreation therapy, uh, for the purchase of things like bikes and kayaks to help those who are coming forward and, and uh, dealing with uh, PTSD or, or, or their uh, own efforts to combat trauma that they've experienced. And uh, speaking of... Uh, PTSD, of post-traumatic stress disorder. We wanted to really take this time to get into the, the bulk of the episode. So we wanted to talk today and focus on health, on mental health, and the concept of wholeness. Andrea, I, I think that we're living in trying times. We just talked about fighting a forever war for the past 17 years. It feels a lot longer than that. Over the course of that period of time, we've dealt with financial crises, massive debt for Almost everyone in America, whether you're a student paying back student loans, 
you're dealing with credit card debts or, or mortgages that were affected by the crisis, and of course, healthcare woes. And on top of that, of course, is today's political climate. We wanted to talk about um, mental health today. This is a tough time in our nation's history. Um, and there are pretty, some pretty awful people who will say anything and re-victimize anyone to score political points. Uh, it, for some, it's become about winning. It's become about power in any way that they can grab it and not about service. And I, I think it goes without saying that these people should have, not should have, they have no place in public or appointed office. It's been such a hard, I mean, it's been a hard nearly two years, three years, if we, if we include the 2016 campaigns, not just the elections. But this week, it felt like it was all at once. Um, and so many people saw their own trauma played out. And it wasn't just about the allegations and recounting of sexual assault. The part that people don't seem to understand is that the fact that the thing that is re-traumatizing for many is it seems like no one seems to care. And that someone like Kavanaugh lying in his job interview and berating a sitting senator of the United States and going on a partisan rant in his prepared remarks. I don't understand how that's acceptable. And it has been deeply upsetting to me that people like that get to win and that they get to win their entire lives. And I don't, I have never understood why people who already have so much power need more. And as someone who has made every effort to be an inclusive leader, who has made every effort to share power when I have it, who has, is constantly trying to be a better human being, I don't understand what goes through these people's heads. And I don't understand all of you who support them. And I guess it's probably not in all of you because I don't know how many of our listeners do. <laughs> um, I just, I'm really struggling with it. And I, I, I'm glad I had this weekend. I'm glad I had people out here um, to kind of regroup and, and know that we're people with whom we're sharing power. Because, you know, we're going to talk a lot about trauma today. It's very hard. So I, I, I don't know if this remark was given not for attribution. So I won't say who it was and when it was. But Roger and I both were at a discussion where the presenter was a combat veteran. And a combat veteran in the most widely accepted meaning of the term and he said, you know, I'm lucky people put my trauma on a pedestal. And so what do you do when you have been traumatized, not by an event, or if you have been traumatized by an event, you've been re-traumatized by a system. Um, and that's one of those things that I still struggle with when 
when we start talking about military connections with post-traumatic stress disorder and who whose trauma is seen as valuable and legitimate and whose isn't. Um, and um, we're going to talk about Jason Kander because we're big fans of running for a veterans running for local office. Um, last week, former Sec- Missouri secretary of state and army veteran, Jason Kander announced that he was suspending his campaign for mayor of Kansas city to take care of himself as he battles post-traumatic stress disorder. And the times unit union had a good piece that was based on AP reporting And Kander said, so after 11 years of trying to outrun depression and PTSD symptoms, I finally concluded that it's faster for me, that I have to, that faster than me, I have to stop running, turn around and confront it. And he contacted the VA for help about four months ago. His condition worsened and he recently called the VA hospital to say he had suicidal thoughts and he is in the process of starting to get treatment and, um, he he also said that one of the reasons he'd struggled with addressing it for so long was because of where he served and how he served. He didn't feel like he deserved to have PTSD. And it's that that stuck with me is it's not just that. Just that he's done something very admirable. In doing what's right for him. But that the part that really is very meaningful, I think is also explicitly saying, because he was an Intel officer and, and, um, yeah, nobody, nobody writes up movie scripts about army Intel officers, right? That's not the public, uh, popular culture conception. Yeah. But it doesn't make your experience or your own personal trauma any less valuable. Right. And I think that's what's so important about uh, Jason standing up and saying, hey, listen, this is what I feel. This is what I've done. And this is what I am doing to take care of it. And we are certainly sending all of our love to Jason as he seeks his own recovery. Um, Anytime someone like him in public light has the courage to stand up and say they need help, it's an important signal to vets everywhere. I think that taking care of your, your mental health and your trauma is the right thing to do every time. Uh, Taking the time to focus on yourself is not a weakness and it is not selfish. It is strength. Uh, If you're hurting, if you're confused, if you're just unsure, uh, take the first step and and talk to someone. Uh, The VA, uh, like Jason did, Local veteran service organizations like the American Legion and Veterans of Foreign Wars uh, and a whole slew of other trusted agents can help. But that's not where the story ends today. And our good friend Pam Campos Palma tweeted out a very compelling reminder a few days ago. And she said, I live for the day women leaders aren't forced to be impossible perfection, can ask for help and not be painted as weak, inexperienced, inept, or have their entire legacy dismantled. When women can do 
what Jason Kander bravely did and receive the same kind of admiration and support. So in this moment, as we recognize how hard it is to do what Jason did, let's also recognize that the playing field here is not level. Uh, It's even harder for veterans who are implicitly or explicitly denied their veteran status by society. Women and minority veterans face the additional burden of having to validate their service before even caring for themselves. We take on so much burden of others and all veterans, men and women, regardless of where they come from, who they love or what they look like, deserve the right to care for themselves and make themselves whole. Yeah, but again, our story doesn't end there either. As we just talked about for the past three weeks, Our own Congress and national news media has had its focus on the many credible claims of sexual assault brought forward against Judge Brett Kavanaugh during his Supreme Court confirmation hearing. This is going to go down as just a dark, sad stain on not just the court, but on our nation, beyond our government, to how we treat one another and how we elect representatives to represent us in the public light. And it also brought to light something else in painful detail as we've discussed a little bit so far. Those who have seen combat are not the only ones who deal with post-traumatic stress disorder. Veterans are not the only ones who deal with post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD is just that, post-traumatic, meaning after trauma. And trauma, unfortunately, uh, impacts too many people across the state of New York, where we're from, and our entire country writ large. There are countless ways to experience trauma, and we're not going to recount them here. It's just that the past three weeks have highlighted the trauma experienced by assault survivors. Um, And as many know, and I've I've alluded to it. I'm I'm an assault survivor. Um, And it, frankly, these last few years have made me realize just exactly how common that was. That is. It's too common. And one of the themes of the show, one of the reasons we decided to start this podcast is because you matter and your story matters and your experiences, your emotion, your wellness matters. As we've discussed, there is no, there is no value hierarchy of trauma. There's no experience that is more worthy of care than another. Trauma is trauma. Our experiences are messy. They're imperfect, but they're ours. And everyone, regardless of who you are or what exactly you have experienced, deserves access to care. We deserve the opportunity to try to be made whole again. And this is why the words of Senator Susan Collins this weekend, i.e. patriarchy with a female face and name, after her speech on the floor of the Senate, oh my gosh, so wrong. She said the lesson people should take from this is to report assault immediately when it happens. I mean, yeah. 
we've talked about this on the show before. You do not have to forfeit the right to be taken seriously to access to care and services or heard because you do not conform to someone's opinion of what you should have done about your trauma. It's not someone else's decision to make. It's yours and yours alone. And um, as a former victim advocate, one of the main things that we were taught was however someone behaves reacts after a trauma is what is right for them. And the most important thing to do with someone who has had choices taken away from them is to give them choices. Exactly. And those choices are, there are a bunch of them uh, and you should know about them, right? There are people, services, organizations that can help you when you're ready. You do not have to go it alone when it comes to dealing with trauma of any kind. For veterans, like we mentioned, you can reach out either in person or via their hotline to the VA, your local VSO. The Center for Women Veterans can also help in a specialized way. Even if you're not a veteran, there are many places to go and to reach out to. Online tools to find the right therapist, to find the right doctor that's closest to your location. Uh, And of course, always remember that 911 and the emergency room are available to you 24-7 if you're in crisis. And we should mention, too, that if you are a trusted friend or as a battle buddy, as we sometimes hear on the vet side of the podcast, do your best not to judge somebody else's trauma. If they are coming forward to you, listen, empathize, make sure the person feels safe and don't push. And a lot of people have been let down especially in the last few weeks. And a lot of people are reliving parts of their lives they should not have been forced to with no support from our government and from some of our most powerful leaders. But working together, we're going to come out on the other side of this thing and build a country that's safe for those who have experienced trauma. We are going to work on the systemic factors that lead for those things to take place in the first that leads to those things taking place in the first place hell there's a very different conversation around sexual assault than there was when i was in college and that wasn't that long ago that was like 2006 and so despite what you hear at trump rallies despite what you read on twitter and in the comment section of opinion articles despite what you hear from small people on the floor of the senate do not get discouraged there's always time to regroup, to withdraw for a little bit, little while, to take do self-care. But just because you're taking some time off doesn't mean you're out of the fight. We're here, we're ready to we're ready to stand with you when you're ready to come back because we'll fight through this and we'll we'll build this together. And so we've got a message for you. We've got a message for Jason Kander. We've got a message for victims of assault, of trauma of experiences that cannot and should not be judged by anybody else. We believe you. We support you. And we love you. At a time in our country when disagreement and grandstanding displays of immorality seem to get the most coverage, we thought that was a pretty important thing to say to our listeners wherever you are today. And so, as we close out this episode of Two Vets Upstate, we'd like to issue a reminder to our listeners. Do not give up. 
and don't lose hope. Organize, empathize, vote, and repeat as necessary. <laughs> and until next time, upstate New York, keep kicking ass and keep looking out for each other. Think about the tunnels underneath your bed.